All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Productized Snacks. Um, today's going to be an awesome episode. Really excited to have our guest on, Ken, um, the mastermind behind Ad Zombies. Welcome, Ken. Hi, thank you. And I appreciate you having me. And it looks like you're sheltered in place in your home. I am sheltered in place in my cave because I have an office building that has nobody in it right now. Like 200 people usually here, nobody's here. So I've <laughs> I've got high-speed internet to myself. Nice, yeah, no, we were just jamming on that. That's, uh, that's a good thing, right? Just a lot of alone it's, time. It is, I have a lot of time to think, and when I get lonely, I just talk to him, so. <laughs> nice, I love it. Well, I like to start off kind of the question that uh, is a little different, but what type of problems are you paid to solve, Ken? The problem we're paid to solve is to, write words that sell anything for businesses anywhere. Most businesses struggle and business owners struggle with crafting a message that makes sense and that helps them move or sell or get an emotional response. And so people will sit in front of a screen for hours watching that blinking cursor trying to figure out what to say. We help take that pain away by basically productizing copywriting for the masses. No, I love that. And I'd love to hear kind of obviously, I know I've listened to a few other podcasts, but how did you kind of stumble on this? How did you get ads started? Um, be awesome to get a little context on your journey as well. And how old is the business? So the business started March 6, 2017, and it started purely by accident. Uh, I was in a Facebook group. Someone had written an ad that wasn't performing well and asked for help. And I jumped in and I rewrote the ad. And I gave him some feedback as to why I thought the ad wasn't performing. That single act led to the, to the founding of this company. Uh, 10 or 15 people said, wow, where did you learn to write like that? Uh, I offered to help anyone who needed give, give. And as soon as I did that, uh, it snowballed into a business. And a week later, we had our first clients that were like paid clients. And in fact, to this day, we still have a couple of people on that grandfathered original plan that no one else has access to. We call them our founder plans. No one has access to these plans. It's only the 10 original founding Ad Zombie clients, Ad Zombies clients. That's amazing. Um, no, very cool. And we were talking a little bit, cause I think, um, I don't know if you knew beforehand, I actually had a content writing business um, that uh, I ran for many years, ended up selling, uh, and that was a productized service. Um, and we were talking ad zombies, and obviously you have productized um, copywriting, I think, extremely well. Um, Thank you. And I wanted to get your, get your thoughts on, did you approach it that way from this day one when you obviously got this first batch of clients in? Had you known about kind of productizing services uh, maybe talk a little bit about that journey. Did it start out like that or did it, it was something you kind of came to the conclusion to over time? Well, okay. So I'm going to be brutally honest. Yeah. I, I didn't know shit about this as a business. Honestly, I didn't even think for a moment that, that you could productize something. What I yeah. was doing was just helping people and in helping people saw the opportunity and saw that there was a need where the productization came into it was, okay, I was sitting there in my spare bedroom at the house where this business started. And I'm like, 
how do I help more than one, two, or 10 people? How do I make this available to a group of people? And the only thing I could think of, because I'm not an operations guy, so let me be very clear. I am not an ops ninja at all. That is not my specialty. I'm a creative guy. Look around. You can see my office. It's a creative space. It is, I mean, I have a chicken leg, for God's sake, in my office. No, it's, it's really, it's a chicken leg. Anyway, it, this is a prop from one of our ad shoots. But um, I, I started this thing, like I said, by accident. And when I started to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I make this available? The only thing I could think of was building a website with a checkout and make it a, make it an online thing that they can purchase. The problem with that is when you don't have systems and processes in place, which I had none, it became a very manual process when somebody would order copy. And by the way, we started with one product, Facebook ads. That was it. Uh, there was no other, there, there, the only vertical that I could think of at that moment was Facebook because that was the platform everybody wanted copy for. And it wasn't like I went out and go, I'm going to write copy for a billion different things. No, it was Facebook ads. That's how it started. And because I didn't have any systems and processes in place, I would get an email that somebody ordered and then I would get a payment confirmation and then I would get the creative brief that they would fill out. And I had to sort through emails. So I started color coding things in my inbox on my Apple mail program. And, but like, this is the real groundwork ninja stuff that you do when you start this yeah. thing, right? It's a, there was no investment capital. I didn't just, all right, I'm going to start this business. No, I was, I was in my office from 5am to midnight trying to figure this crap out. And, um, and so I would color code any email that was a payment was, was green. Any order was, uh, was red. And then there was yellow for creative briefs. So I had to see green, yellow, and red before an order would be started. And as soon as I saw green, yellow, and red, I'm like, okay, we've got all the pieces in time to work on, on writing. So I would watch the machinery of the, of the sales process. I would write creative. I would watch the machinery, I would write creative, which is not super scalable because I can only write so much copy in a day by myself. Yeah. So we started to get busy enough to where I said, all right, we're drowning. You know, like when it's one order a day for a Facebook ad, it's pretty easy. It takes me a couple of minutes, bang, bang, bang. My creative juices flow. I've gotten an ad done. Yep. But when those orders start to pile up and then it's, you know, 10 a day, three an hour, five an hour, 20 an hour, suddenly you're going, oh crap, how do I do this all? So we brought in uh, a friend of mine who was a copywriter and a, an amazing storyteller he was our first employee and then we started to build and the chaos got worse because I thought, well, now that I have someone here, it's going to be easy. I can focus on sales and growth and he can focus on copy, but one person can only do so much writing. And it wasn't until I had dinner with Gary Vaynerchuk in October of that year. So a few months after it started that I realized what was missing in the business and that was a sound structured operations person. And that's when the business really changed. So it was my dinner with him was in October of 2017. A couple of days after the dinner, I had already figured out who that operations person was. We had street tacos and margaritas. I said, Hey, would you be interested in joining me? And he said, sounds like fun. Let's do it. 
And Brandon has been my partner in this ever since then. And uh, it's made a huge difference in the business because I focus on high level creative and growth. He focuses on operational structure. And then we've got a global team of English first writers. Uh, we actually, that's an incorrect statement. We have two writers that are not native English speakers, but are so well versed and trained in the English right. language that, uh, and one of them is in Brazil and one of them is in the Netherlands. And we're about to onboard, if you've been following my, my morning live streams, we're about to onboard our first Romanian born writer who, again, most of our writers are English first. This will be three that are not English first. Yeah, well, I think for copy and copy driven content like you guys do, it, do you find it like really important that be native English? Now, obviously there's a lot of nuances, but if, if someone has that creative knack and is somewhat fluent, at, you know, that they could probably still do a pretty good job, right? I think that most people that are born in other countries have a better grasp of the English language than Americans. And I mean that they're, they're taught grammatic, grammatically correct English. They are more sticklers for the rules. And so if they're already creative, if they're already the storytellers that we like in our team, then it's an added bonus that their English structure and composition is amazing. So I actually love the fact that we have some foreign born writers. Now we don't, we don't employ or go after writers that are in non-English speaking countries where we might like, you know, we don't, we don't use VAs. All of our writers are trained writers and storytellers. These are people yeah. who, know how to write and so it's just the fact that we've expanded to that point like we have writers in singapore australia the uk netherlands um brazil and soon romania so i love that we have a global team and of course a lot of writers here in the united states so my last company we had uh, we had uh, i think 130 writers at one point but more content-driven writers. These people writers writing blog posts, articles. Um, majority of our team was all just distributed, independent contractors. So you know, it seems like a very similar setup. But you also mm -hmm. mentioned you have an office there. Um, is a majority of your team like creatives on the office, and you guys have an, kind of your mini army of of copywriters that are spread out? What does your like team structure look like a little bit? Sure. So our, our team structure is that our corporate team, our leadership team is all based here. Um, my head of videography, Troy, is based here. Megan, my head of creative services, is based here. Brandon, my partner. So we keep our infrastructure and our, our core operations in one location because it's easy then to have conversations face-to-face -face across the hall. Now, right now, I'd be having a conversation with myself, but... Um, it's been a little bit creepy and weird being in the office by myself, not because of him. He doesn't scare me, but like just being in an empty office is just so bizarre. Like, I feel like I'm yeah. in a, a Twilight Zone episode, um, but we keep our core office here. And then we do have some writers that are in Arizona where we're headquartered. They just don't work in the office. They work from home. Now, will they come to the office? Absolutely. One of them will uh, come to the office and she's like, hey, I brought a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of wine and let's sit down. And so we have that relationship and, and cool. those, those really close relationships with our team. We, we have company Christmas parties and we, everybody comes in for those and it's fun. 
but we have a global footprint and you can't have all of your eggs in one basket. And I think that's one thing, especially in a productized business and in this business in particular, having all your eggs in one basket is really dangerous. And, and I'll explain why. I have a friend who's in the graphic design space and many of his employees are in one physical geographic location. That location was recently hit with a major earthquake. And right after that, they had power failures and they had all sorts of headaches and problems. Well, that virtually crippled his team for a week and he had to shift gears to find people who could make up the difference. So I like having the, dis the dispersed model of my team is global because if one region is impacted by a natural disaster, it doesn't shut the company down. And when you're a productized service like we are, and you service 15,000 businesses worldwide, you need to have that type of footprint in order to successfully deliver what you promise. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It kind of brings that a little anti-fragility uh, to the model, no matter what, even now, like you guys are remote, even though maybe people aren't in the office every day, you guys can probably still continue to run smoothly Correct. Um, during these times as well. I, because I'm the CEO, I get to be in the office, but it's yeah. only because, right. But I was working from my home for a month and, but it was when my kids started doing schoolwork that I said, okay, I need a stable internet connection for me to run the company, for me to do the things that I'm doing. There's nobody here. I, I'm, I'm isolated. So let me just come to the office and be alone, alone. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Um, give us a little sense of kind of the size of where Ad Zombies is at today. Um, could be kind of a range where you guys are at revenue wise. That would be awesome for the listeners to kind of get. Oh, sure. We're, we're, we're in the seven figures and hopefully we'll get to the eight figures very soon. But right now we're in the seven figure um, dollar amount. Uh, we're a healthy company. We took a little hit like everybody did when COVID started. I mean, I remember when, so ironically, we were on a cruise ship at the time that the COVID apocalypse. Oh, yeah, we were. We were on the Carnival Panorama and we were down in Mexico on the Mexican Riviera. And all of a sudden I'm seeing news reports of people hoarding toilet paper. And I'm like, what is going on? And so when we came back to the world, I'm like, this is different. This is weird. Uh, came home and stayed home for a little while because of the cruise ship and the whole virus thing. And I noticed that we didn't miss a beat while we were you know, working from home, everything was working fine. And then the kids had to get back to school and man, did that drain our bandwidth. Now you have to understand I'm an oddball. I've got five kids and I've got one in college, one about to go to college, one going into high school and two in grade school. Everyone's doing at home schoolwork. And I'm like, I need my internet. I can't run my business. So that's what drove me here. No, that makes complete sense. Well, I'm glad you got your own creative space there. You know, that's, that's good. It is. Um, I have a couple more questions as I'm trying to Please. get these short. Maybe we could probably even have a follow-up, but um, how did you get, I mean, obviously you mentioned, and I think a lot of people are thinking like, and this is, this is kind of a good question, but how do you, how do you get your first $1,000 in revenue or those first 10 customers? Was it all from that first Facebook post really? So that kind of, created momentum or like after that, how did you start to get that growth and new customers in the door? 
here's how I really got the growth. And the truth is that the first people, the first person got his ad for free. I wasn't even thinking about creating a business. The second person got his ad for $29. The third person got it for $39. The fourth person yeah. got it for $49. And, but what I did is I quickly created a, a, an affordable plan. And I said, well, obviously there's a need. Let me create 10 of these plans, the founders plans that I talked about earlier, and just put them out there to these groups of people who have been saying, hey, I love the service, love the service, and see how quickly they sold. Now, I'm going to tell you the plan that they're on because, I mean, it's not available to anyone now, and I don't mind sharing this. They are on 10 ads per month for 99 bucks. Nobody gets that deal. Like, that was what, but that's what I sold. I said, all right, if I can sell 10 of these at 99 bucks a month, right, there's $1,000. That's how, like in my head, I'm like, okay, there's a thousand. How many thousands of dollars do I need to support my family if this became the new business that fed my family? And so I started doing the calculations. And for me, I make everything a game. Tyler, let me explain this to you because people don't understand how much business to me is like a video game. I love it. I don't particularly care. Like you can add zeros to my income. That doesn't matter to me. It's it's the game of growth that I'm, that I'm attracted to. That's the fun part. So I start hacking, like I'll literally say, so I remember when I had the epiphany of what does it take to get to a million dollars? So I took a million dollars, I put the million on my calculator and I broke the million dollars down into months and then I broke that down into days and then I broke that down into per hour. And I'm like, if we can make that number and $83,333 a month, we're gonna do a million dollars. And when we hit that, I'm like, Yes. What's next? Right. Because, <laughs> and it's, and it's not because I want more money. It's because I love to push myself. I love, it's the yeah, game. Yeah. And the so problem. I want, I want the high score. Yeah. No, I love that. We, we, we actually have very similar kind of uh, ways to approach. And then I actually just did that for other business that I have as well. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but with this next question, I think before we wrap up here, I'd love to get your thoughts on this is kind of a, you know, what if kind of game situation, but um, let's just say ad zombies triple overnight. You wake up tomorrow, everything's just tripled, orders, everything. What breaks and how do you fix it? Fortunately, we have such a sound infrastructure that we could triple overnight and the machinery would move beautifully. Now, if we 10Xed overnight, there we what, go. Would, yeah. what, what would break is our ability to turn the copy around because while, while 99, no, 90% of our system is automated, right? So everything from purchase to checkout to creative brief submission, right? There's a lot of automation that move the pieces around. Yep. It gets to a human being. And so what happens is, is that it comes in our pre-flight team is pre-flighting it to make sure that we have all the information we need, that make sure that the brief was filled out properly before it goes into the writing queue. So we have eyeballs on this thing to make sure it's right. Then it gets pushed to the writing queue. That's where we would really get hung up is the, the number of people that we would need to keep the process moving. Now, here's the good part. Because I've built this company up on brand 
and brand reputation and clients know that if they're not happy, we're going to take care of them. It yeah. started to get the attention of a lot of writers and a lot of writers um, very quickly discovered us and started saying, hey, how do I apply to work for you? And so now we don't even troll for writers. People go to our website, they apply, we have a, a holding bin and our application process lets them sit there. And when we need more writers, we can staff up. What we've built here is a pretty remarkable farm team. And I've talked about this with others and I think this is so valuable, especially in, it works great for our business. I'm not a sports fanatic, so my analogies are gonna be a little bit lame, but I'm gonna to try to equate it. I'm gonna to try to equate it to baseball. Okay. So in baseball, you have a farm team and you have the major leagues. When a writer wants to join our team, they don't even get to the farm team. They first have to go through a vetting process. Once they get through the vetting process, then they get to write under very strict supervision, like a few jobs for us. If those few jobs are okay, we like them, they pass the quality checks of the team and we have some internal checking that we do, yeah. then they get to write up to 10 copy jobs. They could be ads. Well, they're only gonna be ads at that point. They don't get to any of the bigger stuff. Once they've passed 10 copy jobs and, and the feedback is positive and they score a certain rating, then they get to be on the farm team. And that farm team is handed jobs as they come in and as that fit their style and fit their ability and their skill set. Only once they've gotten to a certain number of ad copywriting jobs with us, do we open them up to landing pages, emails, uh, you know, all of the other copywriting that we do for, for businesses around the world. And once we have enough volume on the business side that we need someone from the farm team, we reach into the minor leagues and we pull them up to the majors and then they become part of our major league team. And so we're always filling our work, our bench from the farm team. And then once the farm team is nice and full and we need someone in the majors, that's when we move them. Does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense. No, I love that. Um, yeah. And, and overall, I mean, yeah, essentially if you've seen, if you see exponential growth, really the biggest roadblocks is going to be scaling or bringing on more people, right? Correct. Uh, is really the only thing, which is an awesome place to be that you've got the, like you said, the ops and tech out. Cause really with any product I service, you're really scaling people and, and leveraging tech. Um, so it's cool to see that you have, uh, have right. That the gear, right. The, Cause the gears of the tech are working, right? The gear right now might be spinning at one speed, but all we got to do is spin that gear faster and we don't have to do anything to it. It just Orders come in, the system processes. Order comes in, the system pro So the order system and the creation and production system is really agnostic to how many people we have as clients and how many orders come in. The roadblock becomes the people, the humans, the writers that are actually working on jobs. And if I could figure out how to scale and clone you know, our top writers, I would be a miracle worker. But the reality is, is that we culture, we, 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 Cultivate and nurture. I was trying to create one word together. New compound words. I do that all the time. Cultivate. Um, we, we cultivate and nurture from, from the get-go and so that they become stronger writers and then we can let them loose on almost anything in our arsenal of stuff that we do for clients. That's awesome. Um, I got one question I want to squeeze in before we wrap up here because I'd love to get your thoughts on this. 
Um, and I know you guys grow from a variety of ways. I know you create a lot of content. You guys do a decent amount of ads. Um, you're retargeting me right now. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you guys could only grow your business from referrals, you had to shut everything else off. And the only way you could grow was from referrals. Um, how would you approach this? Have you done referrals in the past? What's worked? What hasn't? I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on a question like that. So I create relationships. And so when we have referrals, they're referrals from people who actually know the company and we have a relationship with the business owner or the team. And the yeah. reason I do that is this, I, I'm not a big fan of, and I'm not going to knock people who do affiliates. I'm not a big fan of the affiliate relationship because it feels disingenuous to me. You're going to refer someone and I get a piece of that because I'm referring them versus I really believe in this company and what they do. And so what we've done is we've created um, special deals for private groups and things like that. So the, the referral business is, is strong and can be always made stronger by the relationships I build. I'm a big face to face, press the flat right now. We can't do that. You know, have a drink, get to know people, I will fly out to, to have dinner with people and build and establish those relationships because I think that's very healthy and important for business. The referral business can continue to grow. I think what people fail to remember or recognize when it comes to referrals is it's a two-way street. I want to send clients to the businesses that send me clients, not because they send us clients, but because those businesses do great stuff and has value to our clients because our clients can use those services, right? There's a reason that we refer people to, you know, there's a client, a uh, company that we do a lot of referral business with NLC, No Limit Creatives. There's a reason we send people there and because they, they do great work and their clients always come to us and our clients go to them because we can't do the things that they do and they don't do the things that we do. So it's a real mutually beneficial relationship. It's symbiotic. And I think that when you have those referral relationships and they're healthy like that, that's when all businesses win and the ship rises, all the ships rise together. And um, so that's, that's my thought on the referral side of things. I think it's great business. I love it. Well, Ken, thanks so much for, for sharing a little bit on the inside of Ad Zombies. And um, where's the best place for people to follow what you're up to? So you can always, I'm going to, I'm going to do the one thing that I learned from my mentor, Gary V. You can always email me, Ken at adzombies.com. And, oh. uh, but if you follow me on social, you can use my nickname, Spanky, S-P-A-N-K-Y, Moskowitz. Maybe I shouldn't spell that. M-O-S-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Spanky Moskowitz on all social channels, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, you name it, you'll find me there. Awesome. And of course, adzombies.com as well, right? Absolutely, adzombies.com, but I didn't want to pimp it too much. I mean, I, I am the zombie <laughs> pimp. Come on. There you go. Ken, thanks so much, man. And we'll, we'll definitely circle back soon. Thank you.